The Beer EDU Podcast, Episode 57, Work and Life Balance with Aaron Kiger. Welcome to the Beer EDU Podcast, the podcast for educators that love to learn and share ideas with fellow educators over beers, with your hosts, Kyle Anderson and Ben Dixon. All right. Hello, Ben. Hey, Kyle, my friend. How are you? I am doing excellent. How about you? I am good. It is another episode of the the Beer EDU Podcast. Yes, number... And- 57 of the Beer Review yes. podcast, which means if we're talking and we're recording another episode, that means that we are also drinking some beers right now. And you insisted before we got going yes. on this one that I introduce first this time because you said that, not not exact words, but that <laughs> you were kind of tired of introducing yours first. Yeah. So I'll go well, first. I think this you time. should go first. Okay, and I'm so. excited about yours. All I'm right. Sounds yours. good. So um, I'm excited about this one too because I had it. And got some of it, brought it home in a growler, and then didn't realize the cool story behind it. But the Great Basin Dimos Perks Imperial Coffee Stout. Ooh, yeah. So uh, everything about that just sounded amazing when I saw it at the brewery. That's why I got it. 8.8% IBU, or excuse me, ABV. No IBU listed on this one. A lot of coffee. Yeah. Being It's a coffee stout, so a lot of coffee flavor, a touch of chocolate, a little bit of bitterness. I'm I'm gathering from the hops, um, on top of the bitterness from the coffee too, but mm-hmm. that bitterness isn't super overpowering. Just a, just a solid winter warming style of beer. Not a winter warmer, totally different, right. but just a good solid winter type beer. And um, but the cool story behind this was when I was looking up the specs on it to to talk about here in the show, did not realize this. This is a recipe from a guy named Jason Wagner, who's part of one of the local homebrew clubs in the Reno area. And okay. Great Basin had a homebrew competition, and the winner, best in show, got to have their beer featured at the brewery, brew it in the brewery itself. And oh, wow. Mr. Wagner won best in show with this recipe. So it's on tap at the Virginia tap room where I went and okay. got this at, and also at the Sparks one. Um, over in sparks and then on top of that the coffee that he used for the recipe is a local owned company as well they took cold brewed reno roast from wood fire roasted coffee company and used that as part of the recipe oh nice yeah so this thing is it's it's an excellent beer to begin with and then it's all local so like going all the way down to the person that wrote the recipe so i just i thought that was a really cool story that is awesome. Yeah. And that is one we talked about it. I was there a few days ago and I did not have that one. So I think I need to go back. I highly and recommend I might, it. Yeah. This is definitely a good one. And I, I might need to bring a growler with me. So cool. So I, uh, I went with something, um, I went with something similar. I went with a stout also. I had to look up and see. I'm, I was like, have I done this one before? But I haven't. So I did, went with uh, Left Hand Brewing out of Colorado. I went with their white Russian nitro stout. So um, I found a place here in town that had it on tap and it was, it is super good. It's a, it's a super smooth stout, um, 8.9% ABV, 20 IBU. And it is, um, it just, it had a really great smooth texture and it had, um, had some back end sweetness, not like overpowering, 
but it was just about right. It was like, it was the perfect blend to me of, of that sweet vanilla kind of vanilla chocolate. So now, the, now the name is a little bit, there's some curveball going yep. in multiple directions on this. Is, is this yep. a standard stout? It is. It's okay. Standard, it is a standard stout, but it's their white Russian. So, and when I, you look it up, cause I guess this is a style. Like I apparently, like when I looked it up on uh, untapped, there were other, I think there's other white Russian. I'm going to have to look further into this because, because my first thought reading it was, oh, this is one of those unicorn white stouts that right. we talked about on the podcast a while back. And Don Sturm was uh, right. one of the only ones, uh, the the group that had had that at that point. Well, then I see the word Russian and I'm thinking mm-hmm. Russian Imperial Stout. So, right. and then, well, then there's the nitro part of it, but I mean, that's just more of the carbonation that has nothing right. to do with the style itself. But so... But but you're saying this is more of just a standard stout. So I, I felt to... yeah, it was it was a pretty straightforward stout. I mean, I was I was expecting something different. I agree with you. I was like, what is this gonna be? Like, is it gonna taste like a white Russian? Is it gonna yeah, I mean, so I mean it was a pretty much a standard white stout. So smooth, you know, it has that, it has that uh a little bit of coffee, mostly a lot. I felt it had a lot more vanilla and chocolate in it. Yeah, which that makes sense based on what a white Russian is. So, right. And I think, I think being on tap makes it, makes it 10 times better. So I'd be interested to try it in a bottle or a can, but well, I, I, don't know I, I know so. left hand does their milk stout in bottles, but they do it nitro yes. style like Guinness yes. does. So right. I, that there's a good chance that this might be in bottles somewhere. You might so, have to but, look for it. And, and yeah, and their left hand that, or their night, their milk stout, that is like, if I see that I'm getting it. Yeah, For that's sure. a. Someone that's has a, it on tap. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's a that one in uh, Great Basin's Outlaw Milk Stout are like yes. the two milk stouts that are like if you've never had one, go try one of those and you're gonna fall For in sure. love. So, yeah, outstanding. So now Ben, we also have a guest. Yes, we do. Aaron, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Thank you for taking the time out to join us. Now, we were talking a little bit before we hit the record button that you are not a beer drinker, but like we always say, we do not discriminate uh, what people are drinking. So what is Aaron Kiger (laughs) drinking instead of beer? I am drinking a genuine Florida Dr. Pepper. Is it a diet Dr. Pepper or the full throttle stuff with the sugar? sir. I go full throttle. Dr. There we go. Pepper. Oh, very. I wish I could do that. Diabetes <laughs> runs in my family, so I don't like to drink the full sugar stuff unless it's beer. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Then, you know, then it's I, totally, totally different. It's the full caffeinated with sugar because like my dad would drink the uncaffeinated diet. And I was like, why? <laughs> well, For the and carbonation, we I guess. We're going to let the cat out of the bag now and just kind of mention that our learn about at the end of the show today is non-alcoholic beer. And you said, or in your words, what's the point? Yeah. Diet diet uncaffeinated Dr. Pepper is one of those that falls in the category of what's the point? Yeah, Yeah, kind of. It's like, it's like diet, diet uncaffeinated Coke. That or fat free ranch. There we go. We could have a whole yes, exactly. What's the point? What's the point? So might as well just just go all in, all in. It's all about moderation. So when you do do it, go all in. There we go. There we go. That's me with a regular Coke. Whether it's a can of Coke or a bottle of the Mexican Coke, 
Oh, that's yeah. kind of my kryptonite. So I try to stay away from them as much as possible. Although I will say over winter break when I was at my mother's, uh, she had a 24 pack of it because my cousin was going to be there. And <laughs> I drank at least one a day for a solid week and a half. So I kind of, <laughs> I don't want to say coked out because that, that would be a different uh, conversation right there. But I, <laughs> I need to stay away from Coca-Cola for a while. I, I don't, I don't buy it. Cause I will drink it. Like I have a sugar issue, I guess. And that's my I thing. That I won't I buy like it either sugar, because but... I will drink the entire twelve pack in a span of two days. <laughs> my husband drinks Mountain Dew, like I drink coffee. <sighs> so once I do in a... love, I do love Mountain Dew. I don't. I don't love Mountain Dew, and I can't drink it. People who can drink soda for the caffeine in the morning, that's no judgment, but I cannot that. do that. Yeah, that is a different. I know lots of people like that. That will drink. I am yeah. one of those animals. I don't do yeah. it all the time, but because I do prefer coffee, but every now and then I will do a Red Bull or a can of Coke or something like that instead, especially yeah. if it's one of those really tough mornings where I need the caffeine now, I can put down a Red Bull or a can of Coke a lot quicker than a hot cup of coffee. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. yeah, I will take my caffeine anyway, so... <laughs> <laughs> So, well, again, welcome Hi. to the show. Thank yes. you for joining us. So let's Thank hear it. You. Let's let's talk a little bit about who is Aaron Kiger. What do you do? Where are you at? What kind of stuff do, are you you down to talk to us about today? Well, um, so, okay, let's go with the basics. Obviously, you just said my name is Aaron Kiger. Um, I am a Florida resident within the last six months. I came from Las Vegas, actually. Mm -hmm. So um, Kyle... And I have that in common. Um, I am currently an instructional coach. I've been some sort of coach for the last, say, four or five years. Um, it started off really like as a tech coach because in the classroom, that was just really where my passion was. I was like, what can I do? How can I do it? How can I make learning and teaching just more interesting and more exciting? Um, and then it just kind of rolled out from there. Um, and I absolutely love it. I feel um, nothing. It sounds it sounds horrible to say, it, but right, you get into teaching because you want to make a difference with kids. But I feel like I have a stronger calling to work with adults um, because I just I find it so much more <laughs> challenging sometimes. But I just I have a it's more exciting to me. Like each day is uh, different. It looks different. Teachers are coming to me with different things instead of that mm -hmm. lesson plan where I know exactly what's going to happen each day. And I just, I love seeing the impact of the work that I do with the teacher and then seeing it trickle down to the kids. I think it's just so much fun. Um, and then personally, I'm married to um, the absolutely most perfect husband for me, Tony. Um, we met in Ohio. And uh, we have a son who's 18 months old, Matthew. And uh, over winter break, I've gotten to stay home with him every single day. And I just love it so much. So that's that's me in a nutshell, I suppose. So so I guess my question would be, what precipitated the move to from Vegas to Florida? Was it work? Was it something yeah. different? It, it certainly wasn't getting out of heat, so... <laughs> <laughs> no, totally, totally. Same heat. Just, <laughs> just added, added a layer of 
Yeah, you just added a layer of humidity to it. Yes, yes, lots of layers. Um, no, Tony got a job um, offer, and I was actually offered a job as well. Cool. That it was a move that for our family, we just couldn't say no. Mm -hmm. I grew up in Las Vegas. Tony did not grow up in Las Vegas, does not like Las Vegas. So <laughs> the goal was never to stay there. He's from oh, okay. Green, Ohio. Oh, yeah. And he's like, there are hookers. And dirty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's, it is some, um, I don't know. I have lived in Nevada my whole life. So I, I like it. So. <laughs> Nevada is different than Las Vegas. That is true. I live in northern Nevada. So yes. And Kyle will attest to that, having now lived in both. <laughs> yes. And then traveled extensively in really almost all areas of the state. About the only parts of the state oh, yeah. I haven't been to are the northern parts of like Elko and Lander and Humboldt County. Oh. Like basically north of I-80, I haven't gotten yeah. you know, uh, much into. But pretty much, yeah, pretty much everywhere else in between. And you are correct. Nevada is not Las Vegas. It's not even Reno, really. No, Although no. I would say Reno is definitely more closely aligned with what the rest of Nevada is compared to Las Vegas. Yeah, I would say that is true. Yeah. So that that's that that kind of um, initiated that move across the country. We're closer to his family. Um, mm -hmm. We're further from mine, so that's a challenge, but. It's a new adventure, and so as much as I cry, I, uh, I'm, I'm all about taking those challenges head on. Cool. cool. Now, what so, did you do prior to yeah. the coaching gig? So you, you've been in education for like 15 years, and you've been yeah. doing that for about four or five years now. Uh, where were you at? What were you doing prior to that? Um, so... I have taught, I'm mostly an elementary teacher. Mm -hmm. I've taught kindergarten, I've taught first grade, I've taught fourth grade, I've taught fifth grade, and I've taught K through eight technology. Okay. Cool. Um, so, and then I was lucky enough to be able to do some coaching pretty much K-12. Mm -hmm. So I've worked with teachers in all grade levels. And then, so you also, and looking at like your bio and some of the other stuff, also working with higher ed? Oh, yes. Uh, so I met my husband, um, my family, my dad's family is from Ohio and Tony is from Ohio. And so one summer, it was actually after ISTE. ISTE was in Atlanta. So I was like, well, I'm on this side of the country. I might as well go up north and visit some family. Um, I crashed a wedding that my friend, my cousin was a bridesmaid in. And I met Tony because he's part of that friend group. And um, I did not have beer that night, but my cousin made sure that I had other drinks. <laughs> um, so that's how I met Tony. <laughs> She's like, here, Tony, you take care of her. <laughs> so... Um, and so a couple of months in, we were doing long distance and I was like, well, you know, I, I don't really want to stay in, in Las Vegas. Uh, mm -hmm. I've got family. I got a job at Ohio state. Oh, so okay. let's see if, let's see if this works. You know, a few years later we were married. Oh, cool. So, um, uh, that was my time at Ohio state. Um, I, I needed something in Ohio right? and I was working at the university. I was working with. 10 different high schools across the state of Nevada. Um, okay. The initiative was, it was called College Ready Ohio. And so what we did was um, my, my team and I, we planned professional development 
And we mm -hmm. worked with these 24 teachers in these 10 different schools. And what we did was we coached them on how to use iPads with their classes. So it was that first year, the idea was, here's the iPad, use it, explore it. How can you use it in your classroom? Here's the professional development. We brought in Tony Vincent. We brought in Alan November. We brought in Apple um, educators. It mm -hmm. was just phenomenal professional, professional development. Um, and then we did a lot of stuff online because it was throughout the state. It wasn't like um, all centrally located. And then the second year, the kids in those teachers' classes all got iPads. And so then they, okay. they were able to use that for their, um, for their schooling. And the idea was, okay, through the use of technology, you're pushing and you're challenging these kids to grow and learn so that they're better prepared to go to college with the idea that the college they would go to would be one of the Ohio State campuses, whether it was one of the um, commuter campuses or like the main campus. Oh, okay. um, and then one of my other roles, I got to do some um, instructional design with a couple of professors um, who were doing the higher ed part of the grant. Okay. Which was to turn their classes online, right? Because universities lose a ton of money having to reject students right. because they don't have enough seats, right? So if you turn your program whether it's your whatever undergraduate program it is, education, architecture, um, geography, whatever it is, if you turn that program all online, then you are now able to take that tuition mm -hmm. and it's more flexible for students who have to, to work full time or something like that mm -hmm. as well. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Well, and you also host well, co-host a podcast on education as well. Yes. 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 So I am part of the undercaffeinated trio. And so that is um, Ashley Pierce, Joelle Masseri, and myself. And um, the three of us met while working at um, a Catholic school in Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, a few years down the road, you know, we stayed in touch. We were still, we were all in different places. We weren't at the Catholic school anymore. Mm -hmm. We had done professional development together while we were still at the Catholic school. And we just, we loved it. We had so much fun. We, we helped each other with our presentations at ISTE. We did some um, Catholic like um, teacher webinars together. And mm -hmm. so we did a couple of Q Nevada presentations together. And we just kind of said, Joelle said, she came, she came on Boxer one day and she was like, let's do a podcast. And we're like, yes. And so um, we started that we actually started that, I think, 2018. Yeah, mm -hmm. October, November of 2018. Ashley had a six-month-old and I had a three-month-old. Um, so, and we've been doing that. We were actually just talking about getting together, figuring out our, coordinating our schedules for mm -hmm. the next episode. And it started off just kind of ed tech, mm -hmm. um, but we've kind of expanded. Now it's, a lot of times it's, whatever's going on in our lives. If um, right now a big thing is the hashtag one word 2020, right? Yep. So we're talking about doing that um, for the next episode. We've done lesson plans. We've done classroom transformations. We've done, um, Ashley's a teacher, an online teacher. So we've done like connecting mm -hmm. in, in a virtual setting and that sort right. of thing. 
talked about some coaching, just all kinds of really, it kind of runs the gambit. Cool. But it's a lot of fun. All right. So do you find, do you find the, the podcast, the podcasting is a, do you feel that's a, a better way to get your message than say typically blogging or Voxer groups and, or Twitter or any of those? Um, or just a different way. <laughs> I'm going to say it's probably a different way. So I feel like the podcast is, I guess, an easier way to, to, to share the message and mm-hmm. then Voxer and blogging and Twitter. That's where we share the message from the podcast, I okay. guess. Um, right. You know, cause it's, it's a little bit, even though our podcast is typically shorter at 10 to 15 minutes, like that's our right. goal. Um, we're very purposeful in keeping it short, but not everybody sees a podcast just because I can use those platforms to then share it. Right. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. I just, I'm curious because I just see this trend. I don't know. We haven't really talked about this on the show, but I do see this trend as like, I think, when I got involved with Twitter and Voxer and groups like that, mm-hmm. and when Kyle, I first met Kyle and I first connected, everybody was doing blogs, you know, and then gradually, I feel like we've all just as a collective in education toward sort of gravitated toward podcasting for whatever reason. And, you know, I, I have talked about that with some of my Voxer PLNs and, mm-hmm. and I think you're completely right. And I think it's, um, it's that multitasking, um, society that we have it's it's Mm -hmm. easier for me Mm -hmm. you know I can only speak to myself but it's easier for me to drive and listen to a podcast obviously I can't read a blog and drive right I can't um make dinner I'm I'm not a chef so I will Mm -hmm. burn whatever I try to do if I'm trying to read too but I can listen to a podcast Mm -hmm. and then I can read the directions on how to you know cook the macaroni and cheese out of the box um (laughs) You know, but it's like, it just makes for one other um, sense that I'm utilizing while I'm doing the other ones where I'm sitting there and reading. Plus, it really, depending on how you have it set up, it takes, in my opinion, it takes potentially more time to blog than it does to Mm -hmm. podcast. Because when you're podcasting, you can say, oops, I made a mistake and you can either edit it out or leave it in. Right. It doesn't matter if it's humorous, who cares? Right. Um, with a blog, you kind of have to go back and make sure that what you're saying makes sense and grammatically it's there and there's editing mm-hmm. and, you know, you guys edit. We don't edit our podcast. <laughs> We're just that good. Uh, just kidding. <laughs> no, I, no, I totally agree. Cause I, I think that's one of the reasons that I got out of blogging and then I started video blogging because I was oh. like all right I just would rather just talk and that's why I think I like I don't know I know Kyle does both Kyle Kyle's super prolific right <laughs> well Gosh, the, the writing the part that's just that's therapy for me so just get getting the words out like that and then that's also my opportunity where I can get long-winded whereas with the podcast whether it's mm-hmm. this one or if it's uh with Sons of Technology when I record with Joe we tend to, with Joe and I, it's sometimes just the two of us, it's a conversation back and forth, but sometimes we right. have up to six, six, seven people to where it's about what other people have to say. And that's what right. it is with this one. It's, um, in fact, we just had um, uh, one of our previous guests asked after we got done recording, he's like, hey, you know, I just feel like you didn't have much to say during this one. And I'm just like, it's not that I didn't have much to say. It's just like, you were so fascinating. Right. 
that it's just like I didn't have to say anything. And I like to let the guests shine a little bit more. Whereas, again, with the blog, that's when I can get a little bit long-winded. And I'm sure there's sometimes people read about three paragraphs into my stuff. And they're like, man, this guy has too much to say. And they stop reading at that point. So, but I had that issue. And that's why I created the video blog. (laughs) So, Well, and I tried the video blog thing for a while, too. And I just, I mean, those were only four or five minutes. But it just, I don't know. You got to take the time out to do it. Put it together. Yeah. edit it, upload it to YouTube. I find that I can almost I can almost write a 2000 word blog post quicker than I could uh, record a 5 minute video blog. Really? Wow. So, huh. I can I can when I get an idea sometimes, I can go with the writing. Okay. Yeah, that well, makes sense. Good for no, you. Are yeah. you doing the um Okay, let me make sure that I get the hashtag right cuz it's only the second day of it. Um hashtag edu blog year blog edu year it's essentially it's an initiative to blog every single day oh i saw that and i looked at that and i said you know what as much as i like to write there is no way i can pull that (laughs) off so and um at this point at when well again we're recording this beginning of january by the time this is posting you know we're probably about a month into the new year i can tell you right now i would have probably already failed at this point uh, with that because I just again as much as I like to write I don't know I don't think I could pull it off because even my Twitter interaction is a lot more limited than it once was and yeah. I set a goal this year to try not to get back into doing like multiple Twitter chats a night like I was doing at one point but right. trying to get more involved again that's kind of one of my goals for the year is to be more active on Twitter just because I there's so much great stuff out there on Twitter and the people you can interact with and the learning that can happen. And I've just kind of gotten away with that. Now, granted, it's because, you know, life is caught up and I'm doing two podcasts and I'm writing a blog and doing other stuff. And, you know, I still got, I'm, I'm working on the book that's supposed to be coming out here in the next few months, whatever. So, I mean, definitely busy, but those are excuses, not expl- Those are explanations, not excuses. Gotcha. Good explanation. There we go. <laughs> so, well, so, so, Aaron, I have a question, too. Tell okay. us a little bit about the edgy match snapshot Oh, that you were um, involved with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I got to write a story for that. And essentially... <laughs> we were talking about writing, so... We were, yes. So it's really funny because I um, I love to write. Growing up, I, um, I always said, like, I want to be an author. I never... <laughs> I said, I do not want to be a doctor. I do not want to be a nurse. And I do not want to be a teacher. I want to be a writer. I said the same thing. <laughs> right? So that's, yeah. I mean, just being honest, it, it, it yeah. obviously did not turn, I'm not a doctor and I am not a nurse, but um, I am a teacher. But I, I, I found, I tried to blog and I just, mm-hmm. I can't commit to it on a regular basis like I want to, even though I am doing the EDU blog year thingy. Um, oh wow! But okay, I've I've committed to blogging when I can. Not there we go. So that, that's that's my loophole. But anyway, so um, Sarah put out the call, and I was just like, no, like, I, you know, I can't. I just moved to Florida. Like, I don't have time. Um, then she put out the call again, and I was like, ah, I mean, I like to write. How hard can it be to write? I wonder what's involved. Then she put out the call one more time and I was like, okay, tell me, tell me, tell me what's involved. And she told me, she's like, you can write about anything. I was like, really anything? She was like, yeah, 
like you can write about she gave me a couple of, day, of ideas and she's like you can write about the podcast because mm-hmm. i and i just blogged about this today i have this um uh, lack of confidence i suppose um that <laughs> it sounds really weird because it doesn't sound like it but I, ha- I i internally i have this lack of confidence that whatever i say like people are going to scoff at like nobody nobody cares what i have to say nobody wants to hear it so then i I don't feel like I have good enough ideas. And so then I kind of stop. A lot of times I push through and say, well, it really doesn't matter. I don't care who cares. I want to do it anyway. So, uh, mm-hmm. but it's not effortless, if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. when she said I got to write, I could write about the podcast, I was like, all right, I'll, that's what I'll write about. So I literally, uh, earlier when we were talking and I was like, Joel got on Voxer and was like, let's do a podcast. That's literally the opening of my um, EduMatch snapshot for, mm-hmm. for 2019. And I just kind of told the story of how we got started and how we came up with the name and why we did it and all of the things we were trying to do at the same time and how we got started. And, and it was just like a fun little adventure. So it was really fun to relive that excitement. Mm-hmm. Um, and I made sure that as I was going through and writing it, that Ashley and Joelle had um, had viewing rights to the story because I was like, it's not just my story. Like I'm writing it, but it's our our collective story. And so um, I made sure that I got their approval before I submitted it um, for final edits. And it was it was good. Like we we talked about it. It was fun because Joelle was like, I'd forgotten about this or this and Ashley was like I remember when we talked about this so it was it was fun to relive even though it was just a year ago um getting to relive those those moments and those conversations and how excited we were um, about getting started and so at this point I don't gosh there are so many authors um that are participating in it and it's laid out like different themes in the book and I know I'm at the end um but I really couldn't tell you what the various themes are like I could nope I could try but I would just be making stuff up well it it's available because I have it like and I was like I'm like super excited about this because there's a ton of people on there so I'm trying to find where yours is it's It's like like, not the last chapter but the one right before the last chapter five all hands on deck I think is what it's called. Part five is that that's what it's called. So I'm not sure if that's what yours is. This is, I don't know. I don't well, know. It's weird because, because, well, no one can see this because I'm looking at my phone and I'm just showing, it's just okay. about, uh, they just, she just, they just have the titles in here, but definitely if you, if you like, and I'm trying to think how I found it. If you go to edgy snap, hashtag edgy snap 19, if you oh, search yeah. that hashtag, then people can find it. Oh, I'll have to check so that out. It's on there. So it's that that is awesome. That's yeah, super cool. Thank you. And, and I'm I, excited. I, I was just chuckling a little bit, not not because of what you said, but I, I think we hear this a lot in education. I think we as a profession, we are so we so will not champion ourselves like not champion ourselves, but like we don't like to brag about sure. what I think it's something to do with being in education. But I like there are so many amazing educators out there that I'm like you need to share your story. It's okay to be like, like my, I'm awesome. And this is why I'm awesome. And this is what I do. That's awesome. But we don't as a profession, I don't think we do that. 
I agree. I agree. I think part of it is, is we see all of the other educators and we're so busy with the comparison game that it's like, mm-hmm. they do that so much better. I can't mm-hmm. compete with that. Like they are mm-hmm. awesome. Uh, uh, I think it was Mike Washburn, um, who does on ED on, on. Yeah. Mike Washburn on education. Yes. 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 Okay. He um he introduced me to the term imposter syndrome when I was at yeah. ISTE. And he was mm. saying how he has imposter syndrome or he was in a situation where he was looking around and he was like, there's no way, like there's no way that I belong here. And then my friend, Christia, she went to um, the Google Innovator in, mm-hmm. did she go to the one in Australia, I think? Yeah. And she was sitting there, same thing, looking around saying, I, I have severe imposter syndrome. I don't belong here. And so I think that's, I think that's what it is, is we're all just walking around comparing ourselves saying, you are amazing. What am I doing here? I have that right now. (laughs) Really? No, I do. You definitely belong here. No, you're, (laughs) yes, you for sure do. No, I think that's, but I think you're right. I think that would be, it would be really interesting in our profession to see how many people do like feel I don't know if they would realize it. it's called imposter syndrome, but I do feel like, I mean, I'll, I'll speak for myself as, as a new building principal, there are moments where I'm like, holy cow, somebody, like, I should not be here. I know I probably shouldn't say this. Hopefully none of my bosses are listening to this, but I'm like, <laughs> there are moments where I'm like sitting there going, okay, uh, I guess it's a, I, I'm, somebody gave me the keys to the school. Don't burn it down. <laughs> Yeah, I think a lot of us, we get that because, I mean, I know I definitely have mm-hmm. a lot of moments like that, especially now that I'm, you know, a few semesters now into being a special ed teacher, something I hadn't done mm-hmm. before. And mm-hmm. now when people are coming to me and asking for advice on, you know, accommodations to write into a plan or how to even go about writing a plan for a kid or whatever, I'm like, why are you asking me? Like you've been doing this way longer than I have, so I should be asking you these questions. So I, I definitely have those moments. But there's also, you know, it's that humble uh just idea that teachers are in general, and that's why we're like that. Um right. we want to take mm-hmm. care of others and we kind of sacrifice mm-hmm. ourselves at time. And then when we look at those that are, as you said, been championing themselves, but they're mm-hmm. doing it in a really extravagant way, that's that's looked down upon. A lot of times, you know, that whole edu celebrity um, kind of uh, complex that's out there where there's some there's some people out there, they're putting out great stuff. And then people look at them like, oh, well, you're just just because you're famous, you think you can just tell us about everything that we can do. And I think that, you know, people don't want to, quote unquote, become the next edu celebrity, though, either, if that makes any sort of sense. No. No, it does, which I guess I guess I don't understand. Um because if you have something good to say that other people are that other people appreciate mm-hmm. why not like why not why right. does it matter no exactly i think that's yeah i think i think i think any in any profession any whatever there's going to be i mean haters are going to hate so there's just yeah. going to be like people are going to be like oh i don't like that person because of but i do i do feel like it is i see so many great teachers just like in my like I'm in my tell 11th building that I've worked in. And I, and I, I had a beautiful job where I worked as a, as a similar to what you do, like as a Tosa 
and I coach teachers and I got to see so many amazing things. And I'm like, you need to go share this with people. And they're like, no, 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 I don't want to do that. And I'm like, but why not? So I don't, right. I don't know. That's hard. You, you have to, you have to feel, I guess you have to feel safe in order to mm -hmm. like, for lack of a better phrase, toot your own horn, mm -hmm. right? To share like, hey, I'm doing something good. I want to share this. You have to feel safe. And if you don't feel, if you feel like you're going to be looked down upon or your eyes right. rolled or something like that, even in your own building, mm -hmm. like if you're not creating that culture right. locally, how, how is that going to grow in our education right. global community? No, that's a great point. And I struggle with that at this point still, because again, I've only been in my current school for about a year and a half. And I struggle with that because I don't really know a lot of the people that I work with just yet. I mean, I, I know a lot of them, but I don't know a lot more. And, you know, putting myself out there, I still feel like there might be times where somebody may look at me like, oh, who's this guy? Who, who does he think he is kind of deal? Mm -hmm. and, that, and, that's a, and that's a struggle that a lot of people deal with on a daily basis, I think. So um, I, I, I'm, I'm confident in my abilities and the things I have to share where it doesn't bother me as much as it might some other people, though. I like right. some other people might not ever put themselves out there as a result of that feeling. So um, but again, I do. I have my moments where I struggle with right. that. So. Um, yeah. Well, and, and Aaron, like you, like traveled out of your district <laughs> to a whole other state. Like how do you, and especially in a coaching role, cause a coaching role is, it can be challenging because you go in to work with people. And the first thing they want to know is like, well, why are you here? Like what you, what, 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 yep. <laughs> what, what skills do you have that you're going to show me? Right. Yeah. It's, um, it's challenging and it's, so every school, even in like even in my previous district, right? Each mm -hmm. school, the dynamic of the coach was different. Right. That was that that specification that layout right. was set by administration, mm -hmm. and this world is very different. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I like I'm not admin, but I'm viewed as admin oh, i'm yeah. part of admin team and so i think even more now than ever before because in my previous district they were like you are not admin and i know you're not admin so right. um but now it's like not so much so there's a lot of there's a lot of pushback whether it's you're stressing me out because admin is stressing me out and then right. you know i'm just the middleman that gets I'm the oh, messenger yeah. that got shot right. or, um, there's, Oh, um, no, that's okay. I'm good. You know, I, right. I don't, I don't need any, like my evaluation is good. Nobody's right. saying anything. I don't need anything. I'm good. Right. Like, right. Cool. Thumbs up. Thanks. <laughs> uh, I, you just made my job easy. I get, I don't know. Like I, yeah. it's, it's, it's a challenge. Um, at this point, I'm frustrated. I'm frustratingly just still trying to build relationships, I okay. suppose. Right. Um, you know, I, I guess I had hoped that it would be easier. And then I was like, oh, wait, I have done this at different schools for multiple times and it's right. never this easy. So what was I thinking? <laughs> um, you know, but it, it'll, it'll work itself out. I'm not worried. And that's a theme that 
in conversation I've had with various people that are in a coaching role that that's very common where yeah. they, they they're looked at like they're admin or like, wait, you're not admin. You can't tell me what to do. Um, <laughs> the, the whole, I don't need your help. How dare you come in here and try to tell me how to do things kind of deal. So it's, it's something that's very common. And uh, yeah. in the short time that I worked in my coaching role, it definitely happened. Ben, I'm sure it happened while oh, yeah. you were in there too. No, I, I, I would argue having done classroom teacher district coach where mm-hmm. I supported a number of schools and then, a, and then I was a site-based coached coach where I just worked with my one school and then I moved into admin, I would say the hardest role I ever had was that, 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 that coaching role, even, even as a site-based coach, cause you're right. I mean, you are seen as the de facto, you're, you're admin, but you're not admin. Right. So it's like, are you going to go tell on me? Are you, you know, or, or the other end is like, I really don't need to listen to you because what are you going to make me do? Right. So I, I, I do think, I think coaching is hard. Coaching is way challenging. All right. So I kind of want to shift gears a little bit here. Not that the conversation wasn't awesome or anything, but um, something else that you're really passionate about and you're very vocal about on social media and in Vox or whatever is the whole idea about teachers and taking care of themselves, the whole self-care piece. So um, yeah. talk a little bit about that, if you could, please. Well, so... Um... I'm, I'm, I'm going to tweak it because I guess when you say self-care to me, right. When, and when I say self-care, what I think of is what do I do for me? Like, mm-hmm. what do I do to take care of myself, myself, right. Self-care, um, you know, and that can be, that can be just like maintaining things that you normally need to do, like getting a haircut, which is very relaxing, right? You just go, you need to get it done. It's nothing special, but it's something that it gives you that break, right? Mm -hmm. Or it can be something a little bit more elaborate, going and getting a massage, obviously not you gentlemen, but going and getting your nails done. Um, For me, (laughs) you might need a manicure there. Um, You know, but but really, I think right now, Something happened in my brain um, shortly after I moved to Florida, mm-hmm. and I realized that it's not necessarily self-care in the way that I typically think, but it's more about recognizing that I can't do all of the things, and if I try, then I'm definitely not taking care of myself mentally, mentally mm-hmm. physically, emotionally, for my family spiritually, whatever aspect, if I try to juggle too many things, mm-hmm. I'm going to have a breakdown. So I decided to write a book about that. <laughs> you know, it's just That's the next idea. That's, I've got so many things going on. Let's write a book. Right? I've got so many things going on. I'm going to write it. Okay. <laughs> that actually um, oddly makes sense. <laughs> right. Only in these minds. Now, hopefully this is not a do as I say, not as I do (laughs) book, though. (laughs) Well, you know, I mean, everybody should move to Florida, write a book. No, no, no. No, it's just, I I think the idea was I moved to Florida. I don't Mm -hmm. have any, I have have a cousin who lives here. Right. Who I have never met until I moved to Florida. (laughs) So, you know you know, relative, yes, but not, we, we weren't right. super close. So I have no family. Mm-hmm. I have one friend that I hadn't seen since 
maybe college. Um, so it, it was very outside of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And I just, I didn't have the people that I relied on to help me juggle everything. So I was feeling ridiculously overwhelmed on top of feeling very sad. Mm-hmm. And so I would then look at all of the things that all of my friends were continuing to do. And and, and I'm talking about friends that were back home that are not in education, friends right. that I've literally never met and talked to through Voxer. Um, and I'm just looking at how their life appears to be mm-hmm. so well organized and all these things that they do seem to fit into their life so perfectly. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what am I doing wrong? Because mm-hmm. I feel like I'm running. I feel like I'm on the hamster wheel uh, right. running and I'm not getting anywhere. Right. And so I think it was um, Scott Noons I talked to and I was like, how do you do this? He gave me the ex- explanation of how he does what he does. And I was like, okay, so he has to sacrifice like these things in order to get this thing the way he wants it. But mm-hmm. I can't sacrifice those things. Like that's just not, that's not right. who I am. He can do that. I can't do that. But I can sacrifice this. He can't sacrifice that. Right. And so then I kind of started saying like, well, my friend Joelle, she's got teenagers. So she can do some of these things. Like she can stay at work much later than I can. Right. Ashley can spend more time with her daughter because she works at home. Mm-hmm. It's crazy and it's stressful because she's trying to teach and manage a toddler, but she can do that. Mm-hmm. And so I just started trying to unwrap each person's story and say like, I, I, have, to, I have to stop comparing. I'm doing what I can do. And that's how I had, I guess it's more therapeutic self-care Right. By unraveling that comparison and unraveling everybody's stories. No, that that makes perfect sense. I, I, I wonder, had you not moved to Florida, would you have figured that out? Um, it's very likely. I just think it would have been further down the road okay. um, because my husband, he looks at me all the time and he's like, can you just relax? Can you ever just <laughs> not do something like not do right. 10 different things? Because <laughs> of course he's the one that gets the brunt of the, I'm frustrated. I'm overwhelmed. I'm, I'm right. overly emotional and I need to release all of that by crying all over him. Hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's the one who says, just stop. And I say, I can't. Well, I, I- I think that, and, it, and I've, so like, I literally live in the same town that I grew up in and like, I have, I've worked in my district for 22 years. So like, like my, like, I know how to negotiate all those things. I've been with the same person for 32 years. So like, like those kind of things are not like, they're not things I worry about. So I've never had that experience. Whereas like Kyle, I know you like picked up, you've moved multiple times. That's totally different to me. Yeah. And I mean, and that was part of, it's going to be part of the book, you know, that whole thing Mm -hmm. where I picked up and left everything I ever knew and moved across country. And then fast forward 13 years later, and while it wasn't cross country, I packed up everything I had and moved across the state of Nevada, which, you know, it's not like back East where moving across the state is uh, two, three hours. (laughs) It's, uh, 
you know, seven and a half <laughs> hours. Not, and, yeah. And that's right. seven and a half hours. That's, you know, that's hauling. I mean, that's yeah. like, you know, you're not stopping for but, anything. You're just going at that point. So, with two young children. With two young children. factor that in. Yeah. That drive between <laughs> Vegas and Reno with two kids turns into more like nine hours. I've made it in as middle, little as six. You know, yeah. I will... But if there's any police that are listening, um, please disregard what I just said, uh, because I was definitely breaking some laws of posted speed limits in that six-hour road trip. But, um, but yeah, it's you know, there's it's all about perspective, you know, or right. like how you right. handle these kinds of things and like what exactly you need to take care of yourself. So. Yes. You know, Aaron, yeah. you you talked about literal care in the beginning right. about like the relaxing haircut or the getting your nails done or whatever. So um, one thing I used to do, I haven't done it in a really long time, is I would about once every six months, I would uh, pop. It was about 100 bucks is what it would take. I'd go get one of those hot lather shaves done oh. where you, you get the, the like the the hot the hot towel on the face They'd shave you in one direction. They'd hot towel you again, shave you in the other direction. Mm -hmm. And then it was like the hot towel would come back again with a face massage with lavender oil. And it was, it was one of the, like this, I can imagine I've never had a facial, like what a a female typically would go and get. I'm, there's plenty of men (laughs) that I'm sure get it as well, but that's probably the closest thing that I've ever had to that experience. And it was something I used to do every now and then. I haven't done it in a while. And right now I got a full beard and I don't plan on doing it. So, but maybe when I decide to take the beard off, I'll go get it done. But, but it just really depends on what you need. And it's really something that it's, it, it varies from person to person, what you need for that self care. Some people can juggle 25 different things and not ever affect them. Some people can't juggle two and they have a complete meltdown. So it just really depends. Well, sometimes, Sometimes self-care is just saying, okay, I got to take all this stuff off my plate right now and right. not do it. And it's okay to do that. Right. It's, it's understanding that however you need to do it, it's right. okay. Um, Ashley it, from Undercaffeinated, one of the ways that she like makes sure that she's taking care of herself is she unplugs. She's practically impossible we, the three of us, we do all of our communicating, um, via Voxer. Right. And so if there's something that's not quite a nine one one, but like a nine one, um, in Voxer, like I have to text her to check her Voxer. Right. Um, because we just don't text, um, mm-hmm. Joelle, she is, she is a traveler. And so the summers she's like, she shuts it off. She right. leaves school. She travels. and there's no getting her to go into school over the Mm -hmm. summer because she needs that time in order to be able to just give herself so completely to her kids during the year. And those are two things that are totally fine. There's nothing wrong with it. When I think those are things that like you're seeing this, when you read a lot of uh, any of like business literature or things like that is we've become this, this society of 24 hour access. And it's Mm -hmm. like, then when people start to like unplug like that, you're like, oh, well, they're just being lazy. And it's like, no, no, no. I mean, I tell my, I tell my staff, like I, like if it's after 6 PM or before 6 AM, I'm not emailing you. I'm not like, like I, like if it's an emergency, they know my number. They can text me if it's a, like something happens and they need a sub or something like that. But otherwise I'm not going to bother them. And if they email me, they know I'm not going to respond to you. 
because I'm just like, <laughs> I'm done. I'm not, I can't, because you can get sucked into that trap. And I've actually, and Kyle <laughs> talked a little bit about this, like, um, off before we were recording, like talking about like Twitter chats and things like that. And I was like, oh my God, I would be like on like seven or eight a week. And now I'm like, nope, I can't do it. I just, I'm like, I just don't, it's right. too much. I had to say no. And saying no is hard, right. but it's so important to right. do. Yeah. And that was something I did that a while back. I, you know, was starting to realize how stressed I was getting and, mm-hmm. uh, and the toll was taken on me in, uh, in a multitude of ways. And I decided that that's when I decided I had to pull back on some things. And that's why I'm doing maybe one or two Twitter chats a week versus like the mm-hmm. eight to 10. Right. And this is why I decided to step away from the Q Nevada board right. back at the end of September, because it, it was, it was taking up a lot of time and, um, right. You know, just just a lot of these other things, and then it, I I'd still have a lot of things in my job right now that mm-hmm. I would love to step away from and pull back on. But right now, financially, I I just can't do that. But right. I've already told my principal that there are various things that I'm doing right now for extra money that I I told them already. I go next year, I'm not going to be doing these things. I mean, I can help you out in a pinch occasionally on some different things, but I'm not going to be teaching night school two nights a week. I'm not going to be um, staying after school till four o'clock running different programs all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, again, right. if you need me in a pinch, I got you, especially because I've done it. I can help the next person in that's going to take over for that. But I'm this coming fall in a few months when my wife is working once again and we're a stable two income family again, I am pulling back. Um, and a lot of it's because my family deserves it. Right. Well, and I think, I think we work in a profession that if you don't work in this profession, um, cause people will always say, oh, you know, they teach, you only work till three o'clock, you get summers off. And it's like, but, but during that time, there's so much going on. And I mean, like we've talked about this on other episodes, like the amount of trauma that we deal with in schools, the amount of other things that we deal with take a toll f- mentally and physically on educators mm-hmm. that like, like, it, like it's not like another job where like you work and I've had those jobs where like I go to work, I'm done at five, I leave and I don't even think about work. This is a job that like if you're not careful, you are sucked into a constant like hamster wheel of thinking about your work. Right. It's true. It's true. I think I was talking to um, Don um, about about that same thing where it's like, here's here's my job. And then outside of my job, I'm still thinking about mm-hmm. not maybe, maybe not even my specific job, but like all of the other pieces that go into why I love my job. Right. Like connecting with all those other educators in the Twitter chats and, mm-hmm. you know, writing articles and blogging and vlogging and writing books mm-hmm. and, you know, just all of that stuff, all of that extraneous stuff that may or may not bring in income. Mm-hmm. but it almost feels like it's still necessary because it's how we grow. Whereas what other profession, I mean, every other profession almost has you doing like outside learning still, you have to right. stay current, Yes, but you're not consumed. You're not potentially consumed by it. No, that, yeah, I'd be interested. I'm like, I would love, I mean, our audience is educators, but I would be fascinated to be like, is there, 
is there other professions that have Twitter chats? I mean, I know there's some out there, but I'm like, right. and vlog and, and Foxer groups and all these things. Like, do you have this whole like, like subculture within like, I just can't see a bunch of lawyers being like, okay, I'm gonna write a blog post and then I'm gonna get on a Twitter chat. And I'm like, that's, that's just us for whatever reason, this weird I don't know. I don't know. If I was still working at Applebee's like I was in college, I might be doing Twitter chats with fellow fry cooks. I don't know. I'm like, yeah, running a skateboard shop. Was there, I don't think we wrote blogs about, I mean, no, 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 that didn't happen. You have your people who do like, like your individuals who do that. Like you've got a shop and you've got blogs and podcasts on how to be successful and, you know, maybe five. Maybe there are fry cooks that do this <laughs> to help other fry cooks improve. Who knows? Who ha- hashtag do SpongeBob PD. I don't know. <laughs> there it you is, go. I just, I just feel like, and maybe it's just and part of the problem is this is this is my universe and this is the universe I live in. So my right. like, I have a very narrow cast view of it. But I'm like, I don't know. Maybe I need to widen my circle of friends. Like, do you guys talk about stuff like this? That's awesome. Everybody some, talks shop. I just well, yeah, they do. But I mean, uh, is there some secret Twitter universe that I'm not involved in with all these hashtags about? I don't know, fry cooking. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag fry cook. So, well, we want to keep this conversation going for oh, sure man. on taking good care of yourself. So, yeah. please, listeners, share your thoughts on today's topics. Email us at beeredupodcast at gmail uh, tweet us at beer edu pod hashtag beer edu pod hit us up on facebook beer edu podcast all one word follow us on instagram at beer edu pod and then aaron is on twitter at ebg tech also on twitter and instagram and then we've got the anchor app you can send us a voice message we'll feature it on the show um, we're also going to put under caffeinated podcast information in there on how you can contact them you can find that show pretty much anywhere you find podcasts like this one as well leave us a review wherever you're listening to us um so more people can find the podcast and make uh, ben and i smile and whatnot and then if you'd like to be a guest on the show please visit the website beeredupodcast.com click on the contact and subscription info link and complete our guest form please please that's what i did that's absolutely what aaron did so and thank you for that Yes. And Aaron, thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, thank you for having You have, no, it was awesome. (laughs) You had a ton of stuff to talk about. We could have kept going. I had so much fun. Again, you guys just make it so easy to talk about myself. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, uh, the pleasure was all ours. So, but stick around for a second because Ben has a really interesting topic on our Learn About Beer segment this time around. So, uh, Ben, take it away with this one. Yeah, so I guess we teased this at the beginning of the episode, and it's entitled "What's the Point?" But it is about non-alcoholic beer, and I, and I have to be honest. So, like, um, my my brother-in-law, um, he, God, I, and I'm trying to remember. He, it was it was years and years and years ago when when he he was like the original beer guy. So he had, he was really into beer, and he would drink non-alcoholic beer all the time, like working construction. And I'd be like, why do you drink non-alcoholic beer? He just really loved the taste. And I just could never understand it. So I was, and then this year I keep seeing all these articles about 
about people, you know, limiting their alcohol intake and switching to non-alcoholic beer. So then I, I just started thinking about like, what's the deal with non-alcoholic beer? And I have to be honest, because I have no idea. Because I, I don't buy it. I, I can honestly say, I think I've had one non-alcoholic beer in my life. Yeah. And it was a St. Pauli girl, non-alcoholic. Yep. But um, I've got a friend that um, he quit drinking because uh, yep. he was getting a little out of control, but he right. missed the flavor of beer and right. he will buy a six pack of like O'Doul's or some other non-alcohol beer every yeah. now and then just so he can still experience beer without the potential nasty side effects. Well, and much like my experiments with gluten-free beer, I think I might have to, after I did this research, I might have to look for some of these non-alcoholic beers. So I guess the point is like, what, what is a non-alcoholic beer? So this really started showing up in 1919, shockingly, the year of prohibition. And at this time, they decided that, you know, the strongest alcohol by volume drink that you can have is 0.5%. So you know, very, very low alcohol content. And then what happened is that that just kind of stuck. Like that is the bar for non-alcoholic beer. So this is this is the upper limit, like the most alcohol you can have to be considered a non-alcoholic beer. So um, after Prohibition ended, um, breweries just kept making it because I guess people, according to my, you know, based on my research, people developed a taste for it. So people liked it. So they just kept making it. So um, the way that it's made is it's the, basically they make beer the same way that they make the alcoholic beer. And then what they do is they have to remove the alcohol. And so there's a couple ways they do this. One of the ways is they heat the beer to 173 degrees, which so beer, because it has alcohol and it has a lower boiling point than water. So once it reaches that you know, 0.5% ABV and they check it, they bottle it. But um, what happens is when you boil it, you're basically cooking all your ingredients again. So you're, you're recooking the beer. And so what happens is some breweries, because that will affect the taste, they will use vacuum distilling. So if they vacuum distill it, which I don't really understand because that's some serious science that I didn't research. Um, it lowers the boiling point to 120 degrees. And then that means you get a shorter cooking time. It, and so you don't really, you don't, it's a shorter boil. So you don't cook as much of your ingredients, but anytime you do this, that's what's, it's going to change the flavor of the beer, no matter what. Um, and then another way I found out that the, apparently that you can, um, remove the alcohol is they, this came from chow.com. There is, they pass the beer through filters and pours so that only the alcohol and the water can pass through. And then they distill the alcohol out of the alcohol water mix using uh, basically conventional distilling methods. And then the water and the remaining acids are added back into the syrup, the, the mix that you have from your original beer and then they filter that once again. And then you end up with non-alcoholic or they call it de-alkalized uh, beer. So that crazy like Yeah. I never knew anything about this either ahead of time. And yeah. I kind of wondered if they just brewed the beer like normal, but then just didn't pitch yeast. 
Well, that's so. So that gets to this whole point of the problem is this gets to the whole point of carbonation because once you cook it again, you lose all your carbonation. So your yeast and your sugar, we talked about this on other episodes, that's what creates some of your carbonation. So what will happen is once they once they take all that alcohol out, they end up with flat beer. So some people, some breweries will end up throwing it, they'll end up adding CO2 into the beer before they bottle it. But then others will do a more natural way where they'll add more starter yeast and sugar into each bottle. But that that gets to that is a science as as someone who's brewed their own beer and had many bottles explode in their kitchen when you don't get that mix right um, that's very you got to be very careful uh when you do that so there's a couple of things they have to do to get that that co2 back into the beer otherwise you're just going to get flat beer that also tastes apparently based on on the articles i read doesn't taste that good and like we've talked about, I can't remember the last time I've had non-alcoholic beer. Well, and the one that I know that I've had, the St. Ball, the St. Pauli Girl non-alcoholic, it definitely tastes different than a regular St. Right. Pauli Girl. Where it wasn't so terrible, I wouldn't have it again, but I definitely right. preferred the regular St. Pauli. Yeah, well, and I wonder, and I have to go look at this, but when I read about all this, I'm like, that is some serious work. So does non-alcoholic beer cost more? Yeah, that's a good question. I'm not sure. And I've, that's a lot of extra steps, man. Yeah. So no, that's very interesting. So and uh I mean I I can think of the the standards, the you know, the O'Douls, right. the Sharps, the yep. Saint Paulies, whatever, but you found a, a few like yeah. some really obscure ones too. Right. So I went on I, so when I just searched it and I literally this was my search, what's the deal with non alcoholic beer? And I found a bunch of stuff. That's where I found my research and we put we put a link in uh in the show notes. And then Esquire Esquire magazine did a whole thing on like their top non alcoholic beers. And these are some examples. And I, I just thought, you know, there's there's one called Brew Dog Nanny State, which I thought was kind of funny. Um clearly it's a it's a, a take on, you know, the nanny state. Well, I wonder um, if that's made by the the Scottish uh brewers, the oh. brew dogs that had the show there for a while. Oh, maybe. I'm not sure. Um, the other one was Polliner, and that's one I've had those, and that is a German brewer. A lot of the ones I researched, a, there's a lot of European uh, non-alcoholic beers, as I did my research. So this there's a Polliner, Hefe, Weisberg, alcohol-free. Um, basically, it sounds like it's a Hefeweizen. It looks from the from the description it's of like a hefeweizen but it's it is a non-alcoholic um heineken does their 0.0 that's a newer one oduls that's anheuser anheuser bush coors does a non-alcoholic also interesting so yeah those i mean i'm i'm interested i may have to go buy some because i am really curious if it costs more yeah, I, I like I said, I've never really looked for them. Uh, the the one time I know I had, it, I had it at a restaurant. So, I, yeah. I I don't know. I'd have to. It'd be interesting to see if like a standard six pack of say Budweiser that's like six seven dollars. If all of a sudden right. the O'Doul's is like ten or something. Well, and I kind of want to buy. Like I want to try the. We we've discussed Heineken where I'm like, eh, you know, it's not. I've I've argued many times there's no such thing as bad beer, but I'm like it's not my favorite. But I would be interested to buy the Heineken 0.0 in a regular Heineken, and then the Coors, mm-hmm. and then a reg, and then the Coors non-alcoholic. So just just to try them side by side. 
Yeah, that would yeah, be that'd... that'd be a fun experiment. So so yeah, so I guess if you people are out there listening to the show have experience with non-alcoholic beers, um, you know, definitely hit us up. Um, let us know, you know, what uh, what you think. What are good ones? Um, I mean. I am kind of. I will totally own my beer snobbiness and say I put Coors Light in this catalog in this category. <laughs> <laughs> Much to the chagrin of once again Ryan O'Donnell. I know. Yeah, we love I Ryan know. though. I'm just so. poking the bear, Ryan. Yep. So, <laughs> all right. Well, that uh, that was an interesting topic, and that puts a wrap on 57. Yes. So, Aaron, I'm... once again, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you. And ladies and gentlemen out there in the listening universe, until next time, may the malts and the hops be with you. Right on.